Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Monday, October 21st, 2019. And Drew, you spent a good portion of this past weekend at a Disney Plus junket, didn't you? I I was. I was there for the nonfiction programming on Friday and the fiction stuff on Saturday. So in those two days, I covered the Imagineering story, High School Musical, the musical, the series, Forky Asks a Question, and The Mandalorian. And now I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I think that's it. I think that's that's everything I did. So, yeah. Okay. So- there you go. Oh, and Jeff Goldblum... Um, the world according to Jeff Goldblum oh, as well. Cool, cool. Yes, and and uh, not to tell tales out of school here, but but you loved what you saw of uh, uh, Leslie Iwerks' Imagineering documentary series, right? Or I loved it. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about as of yet because okay. we're still pretty heavily embargoed. But I will say that if you're a fan of the parks, if you're a fan of Imagineering, if you're a fan of Walt, of Disney storytelling, of just sort of. The history of the company in general, it's a absolutely amazing documentary series, and I cannot wait to finish it. I saw the first two episodes, which got me through about ep- the opening of Epcot. Um, and so it ended right before Eisner comes in. But but it's really fascinating to think of this as kind of like the kind of hidden history of Walt Disney uh, you know, and and the studio and everything because they were always they were always working on these projects while all this other crazy stuff was going on um, in the studio. So, yeah, okay, there you go. Cannot wait to get to check that. Out. And you also Forky answers questions. You you got to see yes. some of those, or I well, I only saw the one that went, that I saw at D twenty three. So, okay. uh, what is money? Which is hilarious, okay. and got to talk to Tony Hale, who mm-hmm. is just wonderful. Um, but yeah, the whole series is, is, you know, written and directed by Bob Peterson, who's a, a Pixar legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a lot, Jim. It was no, a lot. No, no, I, I would imagine, you know, and, and <laughs> I think all, all of us are both looking forward to and kind of dreading November 12th as the tsunami hits, you know, and just, yes, of, you know, trying yes. to figure out what to watch. But, um, so again, you didn't get to see any of the, uh, the short circuit circuit things that, uh, no. Disney and, and likewise, none of the spark shorts. Cause, um, I was- now both, both, both played in Los Angeles, but I just missed, nope. missed them. They were, you know, at the L cap attached to, to something or another. No, but, no, yeah. no, I get that. It's just, it's kind of interesting because cartoon brew just put together a list of the 92 animated shorts that are supposedly already qualified for consideration for Best Animated Short uh, for the 2020 Academy Awards. And what kind of intrigued me is that, of course, you've got the eight Disney Spark Shorts. Excuse me, those are short circuits, my mistake. The Pixar ones are Spark Shorts. But also in the pile there is Jeff Gibson's Cycles, which which you actually did get to see, right? I did get to see it. And, and you know what? When I saw it last year, I asked... Um, if this was going to be in the running for a Academy Award short, and they told me no. Hmm. They said that anything out of the experimental program was not going to be in contention for an Academy Award, which we are looking at eight Disney ones and three Pixar ones that are definitely um, in the running. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very interesting yeah. that I was told something completely different. So, Well, again, maybe the guys at Cartoon Brew didn't get that memo, but 
other ones that, that are kind of intrigue me here. We've got Curse of the Monkey Bird, which I guess is uh, that's from Warner Feature Animation. But okay. as, as I understand it, that's out of that thousand minutes of new Looney Tunes content that got announced back in June of last year. And uh, I know I, you'll be through to hear this as well, but Hair Love, that that short that uh, Matthew Cherry, Everett Downing, and Bruce W. Smith put together that was out in front of Angry Birds. Uh, evidently, that's qualified as well. So, But yeah, the, the challenge here is those 92 possibles have to be winnowed down to 10 solid candidates right by the middle of December so you know <laughs> I, I I don't envy people that, that choice though so, you know the weird thing is if we switch over to features it's it's kind of the same situation not quite as many it's not uh 92 it's 32 you know, with uh, that's still a lot th- that is that is and in fact what's kind of interesting to me is that of the 11 films from the majors, uh, six of them are sequels. That's not even touching on things like the Netflix thing that's just about to begin running. I, I lost my body. Or, I lost my body. Yeah. yeah, which is a is a seems to be a heavy contender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Klaus, which is coming oh, out. Yes, you know. Though we should mention that, of course, one of the ones that's in this pile is uh, Laika's Missing Link. And to sort of help build enthusiasm for this one's Oscar run, uh, in fact, you sent this along to me earlier today, but Laika is mounting a a day-long respective of its entire film library. Um, yeah. Have you been to the this outfit before, the landmark, the theater on West Pico? Yeah, it, yes, it's a wonderful theater. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about this event First of all, they're going to have, you know, Q&As with Travis Knight, mm-hmm. who runs Laika and who directed Kubo, and Missing Link and Paranorman writer-director Chris Butler. Mm-hmm. But also, this thing is free of charge, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. And they've already – I saw pictures over the weekend of people who went to the theater and just saw that there were, like, these dioramas mm-hmm. up of all the movies, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But, yeah, it's a really awesome theater. It's right across the street from my favorite burger place in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, well, okay. The, the Apple Pan. Have you ever been to the Apple Pan, I, Jim? I have heard people raving about the Apple Pan. Okay. okay. Well, next time you come out okay. and uh, Na- Nancy is not paying attention, I will Thank take you. The Thank pan. you. Yeah. All right. Yes. 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 Again, I'm not allowed to eat anything with cute eyes. Um, right. All right. Anyway, folks, if you, you're interested in possibly taking part in this, uh, yes, admission is free, but you have to go to what is it? The Leica Retrospective dot com website to arrange for tickets. Right. Yes. It's um, just LeicaRetrospective.com. Retrospective dot com. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. Well, for me, I would do this if I were out in L.A. just for the chance to see. Paranorman uh, up on the big screen again, which just after Kubo and the Two Strings is my favorite Leica production. I, I was, you know, what made me think is that was just checking the Thirty One Nights of Halloween schedule for uh, Freeform. Oh, for Freeform, yeah, yeah. and to see uh, when a Paranorman was running next, and I guess I missed the last Paranorman for this programming event. It was on October seventeenth, but. The thing that intrigued me, especially given that we're still ahead of the uh, the launch of Disney Plus, did did you see where Freeform is actually showing as part of its Thirty One Nights of Halloween? 
Treehouse of Horror marathons? Yes, I did see that. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Did you see the new episode last night? <laughs> yes. I w- Clearly, The Simpsons is not throttling back. You know, they, what, the show opened with a parody of the, the Omen, and Ned Flanders is about to, uh, you know, kill Maggie, who's you know, supposedly the, the daughter of Satan, but, you know, wants to prove to Homer and, and Marge that, you know, that she is, in fact, you know, she has the mark of the beast and he parts Maggie's hairline and there is a tattoo of Mickey Mouse. And it's like, oh, oh wait a minute, not that. And then right. uh, then finds the 666 in, in her hairline. And that was the other thing I thought that was kind of cool, that it, if it is true what they said, you know, during the episode, that last night, you know, they were airing the 666th episode of The Simpsons. So, you know, but but again, they had that sort of little text underneath that, you know, to the effect that, unless, of course, Fox has screwed up the schedule. Um, right. But anyway, you know, did, did you enjoy it or? I did. I liked, I thought the, the Shape of Water parody was kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another Fox, beloved Fox property that Disney is about to own. Yeah. That they're yeah. ruthlessly making fun of, but. <laughs> Yes, um, you should just you should just own a copy of Paranorman, Jim. That's what I'm going to say to you. Okay, but cool. if not, everybody, this uh, the uh, we should say that the Leica thing is on Sunday, mm-hmm. October 27th. That's right, um, Sorry. in Los yeah. Angeles. So yes, go. Okay. Anyway, uh, back to freeform. Uh, given that uh, 1991's Adams Family and 1993's Adams Family's Value is in heavy rotation over this year, I. I fully expect it's some as part of some future Thirty One Nights of Halloween that the brand new animated version is going to show up there. Were you all that surprised when they announced that you know uh, what was it last week that we're getting an Adams Family animated sequel in what October of two thousand twenty one? Not at all. Well, I mean, after seeing those uh, box office returns, I was shocked at how well it did, and so I was not surprised. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's also an element of the fact that they probably have to keep making things mm-hmm. to retain the rights oh. to the Adams family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The one uh, so that 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 makes me less less surprised. The one thing that concerns me uh, the, with the sequel is the release date. Uh, they've got this thing supposedly coming out October twenty second. 2021. Well, think about it. That the first one, what did that that arrived in theaters October 11th? Um, right. That's only 10 days till Halloween to to mm-hmm. make. And you know, I face it, the, the market for this sort of movie dries up on November 1st. So you know, you gotta hope they slide that release date back a little further. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it could it could get bumped by a year for all we know. This is true. Considering this is you know. true. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of future films, uh, what did you think about the trades breaking the news about Robert Zemeckis supposedly talking with Disney about directing a live action Pinocchio? Uh, I was a little um, confused just because of the way that his relationship with Disney left off. <laughs> And I think that we, you know, we need to talk about um, Fate of Image Movers Digital, which was his Mm -hmm. um, motion capture studio. Mm -hmm. They had, much like something else we'll talk about later in the show, they they lavishly unveiled plans for several projects, including a uh, Yellow Submarine remake that had production design by Doug Chiang Mm -hmm. from Star Wars, who I actually talked to him about it at one point, and he thought that it was going to be sort of like... The motion capture movie that was kind of kind of breakthrough, but anyway, 
you know, it, it didn't end very well. No. Um, the Mars Needs Moms came out, and I think is one of the least successful Disney movies ever. Oh, yeah. They kind of hastily shut down the mm-hmm. studio. They didn't talk about the movies that were coming out. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's getting back in bed with Disney is very interesting to me. The, the other aspect of this, and remember, we've talked about this before, because back in November of last year, Tom Hanks's name was being floated for the role of Geppetto in, in this project. Right. And given the history the, that Zemeckis and, and Hanks have, what is it, uh, Forrest Gump, Castaway, Polar Express, um, mm-hmm. it's it's not all that surprising for something that supposedly was going to star Hanks that Zemeckis is in the mix. But Yeah, I wonder if they circle back to him, because that was, that was the version that Paul King was going to direct. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the the Paddington Two mm. guy. Okay, Paddington and Paddington Two, which are, those right. movies are wonderful. That's right. Yes. Okay. Uh, well. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. Yes, um, we will. Oh, and we were just talking about Fox's animated Sunday night programming. So, uh, and we just talked on the last show about Bless the Hearts. Um, they're kind of interesting to see just what you know three shows in, and that's been picked up for a second season. Um, uh huh. You know, did did you get to see that one last night? After I didn't, I didn't see the one last night. I I was too busy being totally mesmerized by the new Watchmen on <laughs> HBO, um, which is just incredible. But I, it's, I've taped it, so it's 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 on deck. But I, I've been loving Bless the Hearts. It's just a wonderful, very sweet show that you can sort of just put on mm-hmm. at any time. And I'm very curious as, to see how they intersect with King of the Hill and how that that all pans out. So. I'm I'm very excited about another season. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, another bit of news that actually broke on Sunday. Uh, you know, face it, on our last show, we talked a bit about the abominable situation and how uh, Vietnam was Vietnam boycotting or it banned the film outright. I'm trying. It banned it. Pu- it pulled the film from. It was actually playing okay. for a couple of weeks, and they pulled it. Yeah. And and again, that was because of the whole nine line South Seas map image that was yes. in the movie. And it turns out there's a number of nations that are, in fact, you know, have a dispute with China over. Again, this claim on the the, the South China Sea. Uh, what is it? Brunei, the Philippines, and another one was Malaysia. And I guess what was it? This past weekend, censors in Malaysia what asked Universal uh, that if they were going to be showing DreamWorks Animation's Abominable, or I guess in that country it's called Everest, um, if they were going to be showing the film, they'd have to edit out that scene. And Universal, I think, took. The ballsy choice of going, you know, no. Uh, you know, that in fact, what is it? Uh, the line that out of the Riot article, the, the spokesman at Universal said that collective decision by the studio was to not make the cut required by the uh, Malaysian censor board. And as a result, Abominable will not be released in Malaysia. You know, um, <laughs> if I was if I was one of the filmmakers, I would be sweating this mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, but mostly because the the box office hall has not exactly been inspiring. Mm-hmm. And I would say that think that they would need every territory that they can get. But, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very weird to say, yes, we are going to stand up mm-hmm. in support of an authoritarian dictatorship. <laughs> uh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get behind them, you know. It's like, oh, okay, that that's a decision. Sure, oh, sure. Well, thank you, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so right, okay, yeah, so. LeBron. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, to switch to uh, uh, something we we touched to on a, a previous show, 
by the way, you were right about Primal. The uh, the run at the downtown independent L.A. theater uh, was in fact done to qualify, you know, Gennady's Adult Swim series for consideration for an Academy Award. But uh, it's <laughs> what I love about Cartoon Network is they they do this. They they make their bid for legitimacy. And then, did, but did you see the the primal bumper that they created? Uh, yes, I loved that bumper. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. Well, do you do you want to describe it or? Yeah, it's sort of a um, it's a take on the opening of the Flintstones, but instead of you know Fred, it is um, Spear is outside banging on the door, and Fang is inside. Uh, is he on the couch or something, or in a chair or something? I, I, he's curled up in a chair. But what I love is, and again, it's it's clearly made by somebody who loved the, you know, the first five episodes because he's got a a dead boar at his feet for a midnight snack. You know. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, 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 I love that. I, I love it. I have to admit, you know, again, enjoyed that as well. But again, I just I love that they're going for legitimacy at the exact same time that they're 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 parodying it. So. Um, yes. Okay. What else are we missing news wise? Oh, oh, you you had talked about the HBO Max news. Oh yes, that they're getting the Studio Ghibli mm-hmm. library, which has never been. It's really interesting because uh, my buddy Matt Patches did a great article on Polygon last week. I'm sure you saw it about how they, the Studio Ghibli has totally kind of like eschewed doing digital media for just really nice Blu-rays and kind of like touring exhibitions of the the movies, which is, you know, you can see them pretty regularly, at least in places like Los Angeles, oh, you know, no, on no, a big absolutely. screen. In fact, what was it? All this summer, G-Kids, you know, it was like every month, you know, there was a, another uh, Studio Ghibli title in theaters. And, and, and what, sometimes they show them like on Saturday, you could see original Japanese uh, soundtrack with subtitles, and then on mm-hmm. Sunday was English dub, but... Yeah. Um, I, G-Kids does a great job they, with that stuff. They do, but I, I have to ask, given Disney's relationship, and remember, was it uh, early 90s or thereabouts that they had the exclusive for, you know, bringing uh, the Studio Ghibli titles out through uh, Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment and... And theatrical, you'll remember, I think one of the last Touchstone movies was The Wind Rises. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So with that relationship, and face it, given what was going on with Disney+, Plus, did it surprise you at all that this is where the, you know these films ended up rather than at Disney? Or? Well, the problem with Studio Ghibli and Disney's relationship is that it is so closely linked with John Lasseter. And I think that that's oh why they didn't make a bid at it. You know, God. he was the one that pushed them to do it. He put Totoro in Toy Story 3. You know, he was out there front and center. I think he he even had Pixar people, like, directing the, the he did. English he, dubs of them, right? Did. Like, I, I think I Gary say, Rydstrom did one. I, I want to say Pete Doctor did Pete Doctor Castle did. in the Sky. Yes, Oh, God, yes. that's an excellent observation. Yeah, I didn't so even I, think of that. Yeah, so I think that they kind of wanted to just let that slip away just because the relationship is so intertwined with him. So that that's my theory on wow. it. But it would have been a great get because I think I think a lot of people are wondering why they should sign up for Disney Plus if they're over twelve or 
like me, have the mind of a 12-year-old. You know, <laughs> and anyone who who wants a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, you saw that they got Howard Ashman documentary. Yes, which is yes. Uh, again, I got, and I've been chasing that thing for the better part of a year, so I'm thrilled that, you know, I'm yes. finally going to get to see that. Um, so uh, while we're talking about, you know, animated things and where they land in the streaming sphere, have you been following the situation with South Park and, and the crazy bidding so far? All I saw was that it was up to like 500 million. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, it's interesting, too, because they've, they've run so long for free on the website, right, where you could sort of just access it at any time. So this is really interesting to me. But have they found a home yet? No. Again, okay. I, just before we recorded, I sort of poked around Variety Hollywood Reporter to see if there'd been any news. But uh, evidently, the bidding continues. Um, but the other thing that, that also kind of intrigues me is, Everybody's getting into to streaming. Uh, in, in fact, IMDb now has a TV channel, IMDb TV. And, you know, uh, again, I apologize. This is very indulgent of me, but there is a show that I absolutely love that comes out of CTV, and it's it's called Corner Gas. It's, it's, it's created by a, a Canadian comedian, Brett Butt. And there was a live action series that ran for six seasons. There was a movie that was done in 2014. And just recently, they've relaunched the show as Corner Gas Animated. In fact, uh, which is doing so well, by the way, that just earlier this month, it, it got picked up for a third season. But it turns out that Corner Gas is now being streamed in all of its forms over IMDb TV, which I didn't even know was a thing, but now is something I'm definitely going to check out. But... I have all this media now that, again, I'm a, I'm a brownie camera guy in, you know, a, a world where there was all this digital stuff going on. And, you know, uh, God help me. Anyway. But you have your you have your three years of Disney Plus. I do. Right? I do. And I, I, yeah. I'm getting that at an amazing low price. Thanks to you. Uh, there you go. So, uh, all right, folks, that's pretty much it for the news. And now uh, once Drew and I get back from this commercial break. We're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to both of our hearts, which is the late lamented Disney Double Dare. And we're back. Um, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Before we get started here, given that the last three episodes of Fine Tuning, we had all that wonderful audio that Drew got at the long lead presentation uh, for Frozen 2, I thought... We should at least do a quick update on the Jennifer Lee Chris Buck movie. Um, for starters, did you see the uh, what Jonathan Graff said about? I guess he got to see last week. They had a cast and crew screening in New York. They had a well. They had a cast and crew screening here oh. on Wednesday night. Okay, um, that they had the reception in the caffeine patch, which I love. Mm-hmm. So they well, they watched the movie in the theater. At WDAS, they had the, the reception there, mm-hmm. but they screened it for Jonathan in New York because he's on Broadway right now mm-hmm. on Little Shop of Horrors, yep. which is, you know, something I would pay mm-hmm. a lot to see. But, um, yeah, so he got to see it there, and then he sent his reaction into the, the cast and crew in uh, Burbank. So that's what that's what was shared by... Josh Gad on social media, which was very cute. It was, it was. But what was kind of interesting uh, for me is he described the film as being mature and complex and hilarious and emotional, which uh, for me makes it sound, uh, you know, definitely worth checking out. 
Yeah. Conversely, though, it's been kind of interesting. You know, the first song from the score of this uh, film that that's really Disney's out there pushing has been Into the Unknown. Uh, yes. Which I guess they're hoping will be this movie's Let It Go. Um, it, yeah, that's the impression I've got. I've I've heard it a couple of times and seen the sequence a couple of times, mm-hmm. and that's that's the impression. I get. Okay, I, then I have to ask about, because it's interesting, it's Kristen Bell has begun, you know, she has a, a brand new song in this movie as well, which is called Just Do the Next Right Thing. Did, did Okay. Did you get to see that at all? I haven't seen that. I, I, I heard, um, there's a group song that I heard at D23, and then I heard Olaf's song. Okay. And but what I've heard is that Jonathan Groff song is like a big powerhouse. But is it really? You know, yeah, that's what I, everybody who's seen it has told me that that is like the real standout moment. So interesting. Yeah, because okay. I guess for me the the little bit that that's out there now of just do the right thing. What's interesting is it's I guess from a scene where Anna is trapped in a cavern or that sort of thing and is making her way out and she has to jump and you know literally it's about take a step, step again. It is all I can do to do the next right thing. I, I was watching this thing, and all I could think of is like, dear Lord, I'm looking at the, the next Just Keep Swimming, you know, which is going right. to end up on T-shirts and desk plaques and and that sort of thing. And, and what, what struck me funny is that, well, geez, you know, Bobby and Kirsten, you know, the, the, the Lopez's who wrote the score— for Frozen have already written a Just Keep Swimming song for Finding Nemo, uh, the musical at Disney's Animal right. Kingdom. Um, in fact, you know, in a weird sort of bend on on their career story, if you think about it, they got Winnie the Pooh because people so liked Finding Nemo, the musical, and because the folks at Feature Animations so enjoyed working with them on Winnie the Pooh. They pivoted to Kirsten and Bobby and said, hey, we got this Snow Queen thing. Do you want to try to do some stuff on that? And and, and, and by the way, we should definitely do a show at some point because I, I saw uh, an interview with, with Bobby and Kirsten recently. And they revealed that when they first wrote Let It Go... It was the villain song for Frozen. Right. You know, and and in fact, that if you drill down into the language of that thing, there's still some pretty questionable phrases in there that that are left over from that iteration. It it only became a hopeful song when they they figured out that they're sisters rather than, you know, it's Anna battling the Snow Queen. But yeah, you know, the weird thing is if you look at the Lopez's career, they, they literally got where they are today by always doing you know, just doing the the next right thing. I, I, unless, of course, we want to talk about Gigantic. Um, which, right. by the way, Drew, got canceled two years ago this month. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, this is when I, 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 I always tell the story that I that I was walking in New York and I ran into the entire production coming out of the, the Mondrian at Lincoln Square. Mm-hmm. And I and that was right before it was canceled. So that must have been the last sort of triage meeting. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have an amazing career with Disney. That you know, they did several songs for Coco. One made it in. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it, and that went on to win the Academy Award. Remember me? Yeah. You know, um, and, and I would I want to say that that in the Big Blue World is one of the few songs written for a theme park attraction that appears in more than one attraction. This is true. This is true. Without. Not counting fireworks. I I have to ask, though, quick, because, again, 
I know that when they did that presentation, in, and I want to say it was, geez, uh, August of 2017, uh, which was, what, three months before the film got canceled? Uh, but, but they did that presentation for Gigantic as part of the uh, Disney and, and Pixar animation panel at the D23 Expo. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you ever, when while you were working at Disney, get to hear anything else from the score? Or no, I only ever heard that one. I mean, I saw I saw storyboards and things. There was there was going to be a sequence, a musical sequence that was sung by Cannibals, mm-hmm. which I was very interested in hearing. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, that was that was always on the drawing board. But yeah, I never got to hear anything else. But that I loved that song. It was great. It was a little man, I think yeah. was what it was called. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, that's, <laughs> I keep hoping, you know, at some point, something from that is going to bubble out. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, oh, oh, something else I guess we should mention to uh, folks who, you know, like Broadway or, or movie musicals or that sort of thing. But uh, SpongeBob, the, the SpongeBob musical that ran on Broadway last year, Nickelodeon just announced that they're going to be airing the SpongeBob musical live on stage sometime in December. They haven't picked a date yet, but they are bringing back members of the original Broadway cast. And, and in fact, Tina Landa, who directed it, is coming back to do the to direct the thing. And it's just it's just kind of surprising to me that so many of these. You know, musical live things are are popping up on television lately. For example, we've got what the Little Mermaid live that's that's going to be on ABC as part of uh, the network sweeps uh, that it's supposed to air uh, Tuesday, November fifth. Uh, oh, and before since we're talking Frozen two, I guess we should mention that the soundtrack for Frozen two is supposed to be available for purchase starting on November fifteenth, which is a week ahead of uh, when that, that this Walt Disney production opens in theaters. But again, it just, I, it just again, it breaks my heart. Like the Frozen 2 made it. We're going to get to see that. Uh, whereas Disney Double Dare You, um, as you mentioned, I mean, you know, that what was it? The, the very first D23 Expo. You know, and this, this was a huge deal. I mean, they had... Guillermo del Toro, who was the, the, the gentleman who was behind this initiative, who was going to be what? He was going to be partnering with Walt Disney Animation Studio to produce, what was it, a, a full-on horror films that were aimed at yeah, a family it was like, audience? Yeah, yeah, it was like spooky, fun, spooky, okay. animated mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. It was such a big deal. That uh, Guillermo, I mean, it, it, this thing at, at the time, Guillermo's in New Zealand because he's gearing up to direct what at that point was supposed to be the two part Hobbit uh, for Peter Jackson. But Dick Cook is standing on stage, and you know, they run this footage of Guillermo that's been shot in New Zealand. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, was this, I think this was around the same time that they announced his Haunted Mansion. As well. I, I want to say that, actually, I it, what's interesting is I think that happened the following year at Comic-Con, but okay. this was definitely in the mix. Mm-hmm. And I, what just, you know, what just kind of broke my heart is that, uh, what was it, you know, like 10 days later, uh, Dick Hook was out as, you know, head of Disney Studios and... I mean, this is a guy who'd worked for the company for 38 years. I mean, he started yeah. as, what, a train driver at Disneyland and 
uh, drove the monorails and, you know, was much loved in the industry. And more to the point, the way it was handled, you know, it was announced late on a Friday afternoon, you know, after the stock market had closed and, and it was effective immediately. I mean, Dick was basically forced out. And once Dick was gone, because Dick had sort of been the champion of this deal, it all kind of went downhill very quickly. Um, Yes. Now, I have to ask, Drew, where do you think in this situation, because face it, the D23 Expo uh, that year, the very first one, by the way, uh, you know, happens, what, I want to say... September 11th through the 13th of, of 2009. But, you know, it was August 31st of that year that Disney bought Marvel for $4 billion. And face it, if you look at the Disney studio today, where, you know, how many of the releases are, are Marvel? And, you know, we've, we've got, in fact, just tonight, you know, for example, we've got, you know, the brand new final trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of the Resistance airing, you know, during Monday Night Football. Yeah, I think I can hear Dan Z peeing his pants <laughs> all the way from here. <laughs> Hopefully he's got a backup pair. Hopefully he's got a backup pair. I'm just saying, yeah. Or, or you know, a, you know, a Star Wars licensed set of adult diapers. Um, yes, yes. Anyway, um, but, but think about it. The very sorts of films that Dick Cook used to make are now headed to, to Disney Plus. It's, you know, it's this very different company. Um, how much of what happened to Dick Cook do you think, you know, the, the, it was about Iger's vision for the company and where it was headed? I think that was a big part of it. I mean, I think I think he really wanted Alan Horn mm-hmm. in there. And I think that he Dick Cook was also coming off of the heels of, let's not forget, Jim. I know it's been a whole three episodes since I brought it up, mm-hmm. but... But uh, John Carter, the ex- very expensive flop of John. I mean, it wasn't out yet, mm-hmm. but it was. It, people knew it, it was sort of trouble. Mm-hmm. And also, we can't forget about the Lone Ranger, which you know <sighs> was a Dick Cook project that mm-hmm. that Alan Horn kind of inherited. And I remember when Alan Horn joined Disney, one of the first things he did was try to cut down the violence mm-hmm. in Lone Ranger. He said he likes his films with heart, but not that much heart, mm-hmm. which is referring to. <laughs> Uh, Billy Cavendish removing the heart oh, from people. So yeah, God, yeah, yeah. But again, remember that 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 was a carryover from the Curse of the Black Pearl inspired version of the Lone Ranger back when you know the reason that you know the Lone Ranger used silver bullets is because Bruce Cavendish was a, a werewolf. You, right, you know, right, and I mean, I still well, no, wait a minute, a Windingo, my mistake. Well, yes, I, yes. I still remember reading that draft of the screenplay, and it was like, wow, okay, you know, can't wait for this happy meal. Uh, right. <laughs> so, anyway, so in fact, what, what intrigues me is that again, Dick Cook is gone; he loses his champion, and, and in fact, you know, the the real irony here is is part of the the announcement. You know, this is what Dick Cook said as he stood on stage at uh, the D23 Expo. 
Guillermo is a brilliant and visionary filmmaker, and we're excited to be launching this new label with him. His knowledge and appreciation of Disney films, along with his penchant for uh, for creating worlds of fantasy, presented a great opportunity for us to explore a whole new genre of filmmaking for moviegoers of all ages. We have admired Guillermo's imaginative approach to filmmaking for some time, and we're now proud to be working with him to create films full of imaginative delights and lots of thrills at the same time. You know, for me, what's kind of interesting is that it was supposedly um, Pan's Labyrinth that really put uh, Guillermo on the map with both Peter Jackson and Disney. But uh, it wasn't so much for the amazing design, which, you know, by the way, that, that you know, again, that film got, you know, what, best cinematography, best uh, production design and all that. But it was the fact that he delivered a film that looked that amazing for 19 million dollars yeah uh which was you know kind of astounding so you know the whole notion was here's a guy who delivers great looking movies for relatively cheap price and and again remember this is this is disney especially this is dick cook who's you know looking at the the pirates of the caribbean movies that are costing now 250 and 300 million dollars and 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 in fact you know even peter jackson with his dealings with New Line and the crap they gave him over the budgets, uh, you know, and he only spent like ninety-four million making the final uh, film, or, you know, of the Lord of the Rings series, Return of the King. But anyway, all right. So, uh, to- well, the other thing, you know, Guillermo's a huge Disney fan. Yeah, too. that's the. Did you did you ever see his um, show at home with monsters? No. Okay. Okay. So it was it was at it was at uh, LACMA mm-hmm. for a while, yep. and actually one of the last things I was doing at Disney was I was coordinating with LACMA. We were going to do a whole like walkthrough of all the Disney things in, in this exhibit because this is all stuff from his house. Um, uh, well, from one of his houses, the Bleak House, Bleak which house, is somewhere in the valley. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had you know original Ivan Earl. Uh, backgrounds, and he had obviously he's a huge Haunted Mansion fan. I love the story of what he found some corrupt employee at Disneyland who got him the actual wallpaper, you know, the stuff with eyes from the Haunted Mansion. He he had that uh, at his house, and I guess he got it replicated for the Haunted Mansion room at his house. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, he look, it made sense that he was in bed uh with disney in fact you know he he proudly talked about how uh his first visit to disneyland was the summer that the haunted mansion you know opened (laughs) and he talked about being this little blob of a kid but it you know it scarred him for life but in a good way um right so really it's it's not a surprise especially on the heels of, you know, making this deal with Disney to, you know, set up uh, Disney Double Dare You. He also, you know, proposed, you know, rebooting the, what, the 2003 Eddie Murphy movie, which nobody liked, you know. Um, yeah. Were you in college for the, um, when he unveiled the, the proof of concept trailer for his Haunted Mansion movie, or? No, and you know that I wasn't because I don't have that poster on my wall with the Hatbox Ghost that everyone that was in that in Hall H got. Ooh. But yeah, okay. yeah, I've heard it was an amazing, amazing moment. Well, it, you know, it it was. I mean, it, it, I've been in Hall H for t- for two moments like that. The when they did the teaser trailer or the proof of concept for 
Tron Legacy, which, again, if the, the film had been half as exciting as that, you know, minute of footage had been, uh, you know, we'd, we'd be three and four Tron films in at this point. But the, the irony is that he's here he is on, you know, July of 2010, and he gets this room full of people excited, you know, about, you know, he's going to do Mansion. And not only is he going to do a Mansion movie, he's going to, you know, the main character of this thing, the villain, is going to be Hatbox Ghost. And that set the hearts of Disney fans around the world, you know, just beating fast. And and it, it, the same month, July of 2010, you know, somebody interviews him and he's like, eh, yeah, the deal with Disney is dead. You know, Disney Double Dare You is no more. Um, you know, he'd lost his patron at the studio. And the toughest part of this is he'd walk through the door with the concept and title for the first film, you know, he wanted to do with, with uh, Walt Disney Animation Studio, Troll Hunters. Right. And did you see the interview he just did where he was talking about how when he originally planned Troll Hunters... It was Stranger Things before there was a Stranger Things. No, yeah, he, I did not hear that. He, he talked about how it was live action. It was set in the 1980s. It had, you know, it definitely had an Amblin vibe. But it, over time, in his head, it, it mutated into, you know, something that should have been animated. And the the other thing that that's kind of fascinating about this is that. Um, so here's Guillermo talking, you know, about, you know, the Disney deal, you know, the Disney double dare you deal is falling apart, but he's, he mentions, you know, in the same interview, well, look, I'm developing a relationship with DreamWorks, uh, that is yet to be defined, but it's not going to be what it was over at Disney. Disney was a beautiful opportunity, but the timing and the delays, uh, you know, and everything, I couldn't activate it. And, and the, the other thing that just kind of breaks your heart is, this very same year, in fact, in April of 2010, um, he had to step away from directing The Hobbit. Um, yeah. You know, but I, face it. Well, <sighs> you know, I, I actually talked to him in 2013 mm -hmm. and asked him about this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to quote from this article. This is from an article from uh, IndieWire okay. that I did. Mm -hmm. And I said, so what was your shingle at Disney going to be like? And he said... Well, I wanted to make scary movies for kids. Mm. The irony is that Don't Be Afraid of the Dark was supposed to be the first one. Wow. And then we got an R rating, which was a huge blow because that movie was done specifically thinking that it would be enjoyed by kids. Mm -hmm. So you, when you have that movie and you get an R rating, I felt very puzzled. And then I said, and it fell apart because you were stuck in New Zealand. And he said, basically... They picked up Disney Double Dare You, mm -hmm. uh, and we were going to launch it, and then I went to New Zealand to The Hobbit, and they got tired of waiting. Let's put it that way. Okay. Which is interesting, because Troll Hunters ended, ended up um, being released by Disney Publishing, the book. This is right. That's, that's true. That's true. And I think that and I think uh, The Strain have a have a dare you, not Disney, but a dare no, you that's, logo that's it exactly. that looks exactly like it, yeah, right? He, it he, was exactly he, the Disney logo. He kept it up and running, and uh, and Troll Hunters, uh, Tales of Arcadia, eventually uh, he gets it going with, with DreamWorks Animation, goes out through Netflix, uh, and it actually it, it proves to be quite popular. They get not only get three seasons of that show, but they do two spinoffs. They do three below, and, uh, <laughs> and and uh, wizards, uh, and and meanwhile he just doesn't give up 
on the Haunted Mansion movie. In fact, you remember those pictures from like, what, 2015, where he's at the park with Ryan Gosling? Yeah, I mean, I just asked him about it a couple of months ago, and he said that it's he doesn't want to direct it anymore, basically. Uh, but that at one point there were at least two scripts that could have been greenlit and that he would have directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also on the uh, Tales of Arcadia tip, mm-hmm. I uh, a listener of Fine Tuning approached me yep. while, ironically, I was picking up a Haunted Mansion Funko Pop at Target. <laughs> He works at DreamWorks, okay. and he more or less confirmed what I've heard about there being a movie that's going to tie everything together. So, oh. probably probably not theatrical, probably just Netflix, okay. but th- I've been hearing about this movie for a while, and one of our readers um, kind of confirmed it. So, mm. there you go. All right. Our listeners, I should say. I, our listeners. I, 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 won't, I won't say who, because I don't want to get him in trouble, okay. but there you okay. go. Okay. You know, and it, what was kind of interesting, I've, I've heard this project discussed in in kind of in reference to the uh the spirit uh movie in fact we we, we were just talking about it on yes. last show uh and again same thing they kept going back and forth is this netflix is this theatrical and they at least with the spirit movie settled on theatrical for that one so it'll be interesting to see where troll hunters ends up but i i do i i want to share one last story before we wrap up here well, actually, two. Uh, you know, the, okay. uh, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, the story as I understood it uh, when it came to the 2015 version of, um, uh, you know, again, Gosling and, and Guillermo's there, and you know, they, he delivers the script and he delivers an A-list actor, and Disney still says no because they believe, you know, and evidently some executive fairly high up in the company basically told Guillermo, look. We don't believe that there's an audience out there uh, for full-on scary movies that, you know, for a family audience. And so the very next year, you know, Fox Spotlight uh, releases into theaters The Shape of Water, uh, which, let's be honest, true. It's basically Universal's Creature from the Black Lagoon meets Disney's Beauty and the Beast. And it what? He, he takes home the Academy Award for... <laughs> best director. It takes home the Academy Award for Best Picture. Uh, there's, I want to say, it's production design and musical score again. And um, and if the Disney executive had said yes, Haunted Mansion would have been the movie that followed Shape of Water. You know, right? You know, so. I, but again, of course, there is just as an audience out there for these sorts of movies. So, you know, right. You know, well, and uh, in a weird way, he's back in business with Disney because he's, you know, his deal is now with Fox Searchlight and his next movie, which is a Nightmare Alley remake of the Tyrone Power movie, mm-hmm. is going to be released by Fox Searchlight, now owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. So he's back. OK, he's back. Oh, speaking <laughs> of being back, Dick Cook. Uh, is back in the game as well. Uh, he's actually what? just this past Friday, uh, Deadline reported that his production company, Dick Cook Studios, has two brand new fantasy films, The Alchemist and Ranger's Apprentice, uh, set up to be shot in Australia at uh, Dockland Studios in Melbourne. So, and again, given how many people, you know, loved working with Dick, in fact, you know, that that's people forget that. When Disney fired him, did Johnny Depp threaten to walk away from Pirates 4? You know, it was just sort of like, you know, I, that's the guy who convinced me to do these movies. If he's not there anymore, I don't want to work for Disney. And uh, they had to pile up quite a bit more money before Johnny would come back. 
to circle back around to to um, Guillermo, though, and to kind of touch back on something we were talking about at the top of the show, weren't we just talking about Guillermo's stop motion Pinocchio? Yeah. Um, uh, we, I don't know what the status of that is. Do you? Well, I mean, they did, you know, I mean, they, they made a big show of staffing up with, you know, all these sorts of names and and more to the point, Netflix seems very insistent about this will, in fact, arrive for 2021, you know, and uh, it, it, would it be possible that Zemeckis and Hanks could get theirs out the door in that same window or? Right. I mean, it's possible. Mm. That could be a dueling dueling Pinocchios for sure. I mean, we've seen this before, too, with like Snow White. You know, true. there was Mirror Mirror mm-hmm. and Snow White and the Huntsman mm-hmm. and... Uh, there will not. There will not be a Maleficent three. It doesn't look like. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. Well. Um, okay. Okay. We'll talk about that. On, uh, done. You know that again. That was not a good opening weekend. Um, no. Oh, and, and again, I'm, I'm sorry. We are we're fighting the clock here, and we we were talking Netflix, and we never talked about the, the Jeff Smith related news that that Netflix just picked up the rights to turn Bone into an animated series. Which I am so excited about. Oh, do you love this comic? Do you have? Did you read it? Yeah, it's good stuff. And and I I was more intrigued. I just heard the story about how he turned down the Bone animated feature because he didn't want songs in it from In Sync and Britney Spears. Did you hear about this? No. Who was supposed to make it? Well, that's that's the thing. I I I've, I've got the second answer. I got to drill down and get some. We'll tell you what, folks. We'll. We will get to, you know, we will talk to Jeff Smith bone related stuff on, on the next the next installment of fine tuning here. But but until that time, Drew, where else can they find you online? Oh, God. Well, now I'm scattered to the wind. I'm doing pieces for everybody. But by this time next week, I'll have a big feature on sci fi about animals and Disney, which I think um, everyone will enjoy. Um, but yeah, you can catch me weekly on Light the Fuse, the Mission Impossible podcast. So I hope uh, I hope everybody does that. We've got some great episodes coming up. So uh, yeah, that's it for me. All but right. Jim, please, uh, let, uh, what? Let, let's okay. hear it. We got Disney Dish with Lentesto. We got uh, Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. And we were just kidding, Dan, about the diaper. Uh, let's see. <laughs> we, we have uh, Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse, and, and he and I have that event we're doing down at, at the Universal Orlando Resort in November. What else have we got? Uh, we have uh, the Marvelous Disney Podcast, which I do with Aaron Adams and the, the gentleman who edits these, these podcasts. And uh, we also have I Want That with Michelle Valladolid, who's right now on a Disney cruise line and checking out the gift shop so she can talk about those on the next time we record. Um, and I guess Wow, rough life. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> especially for those who up here in the woods raking leaves. So um, tell you what, folks, if uh, you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to iTunes and not only recommend, uh, you know, fine-tuning, but also Drew's impo- uh, Wish and Impossible podcast, I want that. That would be a rate and recommend that. That would be very helpful. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what we do here, if you could have it a Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be killer. And I guess that can I can I tease about next week though, Jim? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So next week we're having our uh, our first annual Halloween special. 
So get ready for that, everybody. It's going to be spooky stories, campfire tales. Not really, but there are going to be some really creepy animated adjacent um, projects I think you either you've heard about or maybe are curious about, and we're going to try to shed some light on those. Okay. Well, that, that means I better go out and get stuff for some more. Okay. Well, anyway, folks, thanks for listening, and we'll be back uh, with, as Drew mentioned, special Halloween episode. Till then, take care. <laughs>